Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. Uh, this morning I had planned to start out with a, um, a cute or a funny, I guess, application illustration for my own life and um i've been under conviction over something and uh i've tried to wrestle with it some and then i became under deeper conviction uh when in sunday school uh i guess part of it happened yesterday when i was looking at the material and then when brother curry again asked the question this morning about um the fact that we've been blessed to be a blessing to others and the struggle that I'm having is, is that, um, I keep passing people on the side of the road and I feel like I need to stop and pick them up. Um, but I'm making profile decisions. I get, I grant there's wisdom. I understand that. Um, I understand that I have my wife and children in the car. Um, but when he asked the question this morning, the thing the Lord asked me in Sunday school was, if that was one of your church members, would you have stopped? And I said, of course, Lord. He said, then what's the difference? So I guess I'll start this morning with a reminder that these are three things that we have to get right, and there are three things that I often don't get right. In the sense that they're not reflected in my life. I could tell you the right answers. That's, and Jesus is going to be after that today. Um, it's not just simply knowing the right answers. It's not just simply being, it's, it's living the gospel. And, um, I, I don't know what you might place in your columns of being most important. I don't know what you struggle with when it comes to obedience. I mean, uh, James is clear, right? Anyone who knows the good they ought to do and they don't do it, they what? It's sin. Um, so today we're going to see in the midst of Isaiah 27, 28, 29, three things that we have to get right. And here's the reminder of the people of Judah is that they can't get it right on their own, that it has to be a work of God, that God has to do a work in and through these people to, for them to get these things right. These things that we have to get right. We can't get it right on our own. We drive on past. And so I don't know how that makes you feel today. Maybe that makes you feel desperate or maybe that makes you afraid or maybe that makes you angry or maybe it makes you excited or maybe it leaves you stressed or maybe it brings peace to realize that there are things that you must get right, but you just can't get them right on your own. And that's where the people of, of Judah are and the people of Israel are. And here's the good news for, for people like me that drive on past is this. God delights to do a work of His love and grace in us that we would get these things right? Is it God desires for us to have hearts that are repentive and say, God, I just, I've blown it this week as a spouse or God, I've blown it this week as just a child of yours. I've driven past God. I've blown it. God, I just own up to it. And so the good news is, is that God delights to get these things right in us and praise His name despite us. So open with me if you would. To Isaiah chapter 27. 
three things you have to get right. And the first one is this. And you're just saying about it. The right redemption. The right redemption. In that day, the prophet Isaiah says, beginning in verse 2 of Isaiah 27, A pleasant vineyard, sing of it. I, the Lord, am its keeper every moment. I water it, lest anyone punish it. I keep it night and day. And again, if you've been with us, Isaiah 5 was this reminder. The people of God were the vineyard. God's people were the vineyard. And he had he had taken the stones out. He had planted water there. He had a big wine vat. He had put a hedge of protection around them. And they did not honor him. And so God now is saying, I'm going to step in and do for my people what they could never, ever do for themselves. He says, I have no wrath. Would that I had thorns and briars to battle. God says, I wish somebody would come against my people so I could show how good of a dad I am. I would march against them. I would burn them up together. Or look what he says to the nations. Listen, you oppose my people. I'm going to come at you. But look what he says. The other option is this. Verse five. Or let them lay hold of my protection. Let them make peace with me. Let them make peace with me. God says, nations, you want to make peace with me? I'll make peace with you. In fact, I'm the ultimate peacemaker. Why? I sent my son. Look what it says here about the people of God. In days to come, Jacob, which is another name for the people of Israel, shall take root. Israel shall blossom and put forth shoots. And listen to what God's called them to do. To fill the whole world with fruit. I just need to fill the road between here and Camelsville with some fruit. You with me? Some of you need to return to your job sites tomorrow. And you need to fill that place where God has put you with some fruit. The fruit of a redeemed heart. A fruit that loves their neighbor as their self. A fruit that doesn't look on the outward of what people look like on the outside and pulls your vehicle, vehicle to the side of the road and lets them in. I need the right redemption, beloved. Listen to what it says here to the people of God. As the text continues, beginning in verse 7. Or let's move further to verse 8 of Isaiah 27. Measure by measure, by exile, you contend with them. He removed them with his fierce breath in the day of the east wind. What God is saying is, is that he has measured out the exact measurement of judgment that his people needed. He has brought exile to them because they've not obeyed him. He's brought other nations in. But God did it in the exact measure that was needed. As parents, that is a reminder to us that none of us can get the measurement just right. That is why we are desperately in need of God to lead us as parents. That's why you're desperately in need of that. As some of you make decisions and make um, things for others that impact them and their lives. You desperately need the Lord's wisdom. But God says, listen, I've given the exact amount of discipline that my people need. Look what it says here. What's going to happen when God does this exact amount of judgment? Therefore. He says, therefore, by this. So again, this by this, this this seems to point back to the exile, which was measured out perfectly. So by this, by this exile, by this judgment of God, right? Therefore, by this, the guilt of Jacob will be atoned for. So there's this call of atonement. Look what he says. And this will be the full fruit of the removal of a sin. So atonement speaks of this removal of. Of sins. Watch what happens though. When. 
He makes all the stones of the altars like chalk stones crushed to pieces. No more ashram or incense altars will remain standing. God says, I'm going to do a work in my people, but my people are going to respond. You see, the response to the, the work of redemption and God's grace and the fact that God could have easily just wiped his people out but didn't. God could have easily taken you off the scene. God could have easily removed you from that place of leadership. God could have easily just closed up shop on you, but he hasn't. And listen, beloved, there must be a response to that. And the people of God are saying, listen, we have worshipped all these things. We have pursued all of these other things. Our hearts have been after so many other things than God. But because of His great grace, listen, the people of God, this atonement, this removal of sin is the right response to the judgment of God. I think in the midst of the context of judgment and atonement, it's significant. Why? Because Christ stepped in. Christ stepped in and took the fullness of God's judgment for you and I. He drank that cup in full That you and I could receive the cup of kindness and mercy. It is the great grace of God. He offers it to you and I today. If anyone is thirsty, he says, let them come and drink without cost. If you desire to be free of your sin and all of your mistakes and the shame that you and I have from this past week. Christ says, come and drink. Receive my grace, my mercy anew. You've not earned it. You'll never deserve it. You'll never be good enough to keep it. That's why it's grace. So look what he says here happens. What's coming because of God and this great work of redemption. Again, you've, this is something you've got to get right. This is a stone you've got to have right in your life. You've got to understand redemption. It's not something you can earn. It's a work of God. Look what it says here. In that day, verse 12 of Isaiah 27... From the river Euphrates to the brook of Egypt, right? He's saying the entire promised land. He's drawing it out on a map. We'll thresh out grain and you will be gleaned. Look what he says here. You'll be gleaned how? One by one. You are not a number or just a face to God. One by one. God sees you. God knows you. God loves you. God cares for you. He has not forgotten you no matter what your situation in life has looked like, what the past year has brought. I want you to see that God cares about you one by one. Oh, people of Israel. Look what he says further. In that day, notice what happens here. A great trumpet will be blown. Brother Todd was just was singing about that. Listen, on the day of on the day of atonement, the jubilee trumpet will be blown to announce to everyone that forgiveness has come, that there's an opportunity to have your sins removed. And we know that this great trumpet will be blown and we, beloved, could respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when that trumpet blows, we will be raised to meet him. Whether we are dead in the grave physically, our bodies will be raised or we are still alive. It says the great trumpet of God will be blown. And all those that have come under the precious flow of the blood of Jesus Christ. Redeemed. Oh, how I what? I love to proclaim it. His child, what? Forever I am. Right now. You're as much a child of God in this moment as you will ever be. Yes, we're not yet glorified, but we in this very moment have been justified by the name of Jesus Christ that when that trumpet blows, we will be called up to be with Him. And then listen to this. And those who were lost in the land of Assyria, those who were driven out of the land of Egypt 
they will come and worship the Lord. None are forgotten or lost. So we need the right redemption. The second stone that is pivotal, three things again that we have to get right, as Isaiah 28 reminds us, we need the right foundation. We have to have the right foundation. Open with me as you continue looking there. Isaiah 28. Isaiah 28 begins with a look. He's standing there. The people of Judah, he's talking to them. And he, they look forward to the northern kingdom, right? The northern, there's the northern kingdom. Isaiah's there in the southern kingdom speaking to the people of Judah saying, listen to the northern kingdom. Look at them as an example. He says, oh, the proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim and the fading flower of its glorious beauty, which is on the head of the rich valley of those overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord is one has one who is mighty and strong like a storm of hail, a destroying tempest, like a storm of mighty overflowing water. He's talking about the people of Syria coming. He cast down to the earth with his hand. In 721 B.C., the Assyrians will come in and take over the northern kingdom there in Ephraim, the people of Israel. Samaria will fall to the Assyrians. It functions as a warning to the people of Judah. Listen. We may have the crown on our head, but listen, he says, you may have the flowers, this garland is what he's picturing, this garland of winning some great uh, triumph. And he says, listen, I want you to be reminded this crown of the drunkards, this fate flower that you have on your head will soon fade. The party will end. Judgment will come. And he says, listen, guys, do not miss it. It's a reminder to us as we look at others and we see things in life. It, is, it should be a warning to us that substance abuse is real. That you may not think that, listen, I, I can have that first drink, I can snort that, I can smoke that, I can pop that first pill, it won't have the impact on me that it does to others. And the people of Judah are sitting there saying, that won't happen to us, and it's getting ready to. He says, don't miss the warning to think that, that you are capable of overcoming on your own strength. He's warning them, that flower on their head will soon fall and it will be trampled. But not only do the nation, the leaders of the government and others are, are falling astray. Look what he says here further. Verse 7 of Isaiah 28. These also reel with wine and stagger with strong drink. The priest and the prophet, they reel with strong drink. They are swallowed by wine. They stagger with strong drink. And notice what happens. They reel in the vision and they stumble in giving of the judgment. Leviticus 10 was a warning to the priest about doing this very thing. Listen to these words. Beginning in verse 8 of Leviticus 10. And the Lord spoke to Aaron. Aaron, right? Leading the priestly tribe. Aaron saying, drink no wine or strong drink. You or your sons with you when you go into the tent of meeting lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. So the people of the northern kingdom have one of two options. And as so it is with the people of Judah as well. Is that they can either call the nation back to repentance or they can try to please the people and tell them what they want to hear. And what they're going to do is they're going to tell the people what they want to hear. And so maybe a question just for you practically is, is who in your life tells you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear? 
kiddos, have you learned to accept the wisdom and advice and input and guidance of your parents or whomever God has placed over you? Some of you are self-employed or business owners. I wonder who do you have that can speak truth into your life? Who do you have that can provide input or direction to the organization or whatever you are leading? Be warned about just doing it on your own or not having anyone that can provide some source of truth into your life. So here's what comes. Therefore, there in verse 14, here's what God's going to do. Hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers who rule this people in Jerusalem. So he's saying, listen, you you see all these examples right there in the northern kingdom of Israel. I'm going to tell you right here at home. This is about us, guys. This is when he says, therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers who rule this people in Jerusalem, because you have said, look what they've done. They've made a covenant with death and with Sheol. We have an agreement. When the overwhelming whip, the overwhelming whip speaks of Assyria, passes through, it will not come to us. Four. Here's the reason why they believe. Right here, here's what's happening to them. Four. Look what he says. We have made lies, what? Our refuge. The covenant that they've made is likely twofold. One, it probably speaks of the Egyptians. And they've made a deal with the Egyptians that if Assyria is to come, that the Egyptians will come to their defense. And right, Isaiah's already proved how faulty that is, right? Others have tried that, and the Egyptians didn't show up. And God's been warning them, the Egyptians, listen, don't trust. It's like a splintered staff in your hand. Don't don't trust in them. But this covenant with death or this this agreement with Sheol, right, speaking of the grave, could also possibly speak of some type of sorcery. There's this work of being maybe deals with demons, deals with the devil, so to speak. And some of you may have made some of those deals, some of those things. And we heard a testimony uh, several months back of a young man who testified of making a deal with a demon. And the good news of Romans chapter 8 said it just began to speak into his life because it reminds us what shall separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Shall angels or demons? And Paul says, I am convinced that nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So some of you made maybe some deals with some darkness. I want you to know that there's a God who can overcome and break even those chains. He can break every chain. But listen to what's happened, beloved. Look what happens there. For we have made lies our refuge. Man, I don't know what you're hoping in. But listen, if it's anything, if your thing, if your foundation is anything other than the Lord, Jesus warns that all of the ground is what? It's sinking sand. You're building a castle of sand. It won't stand. It's, 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 you're making a lie, your refuge. So he says, listen, guys, there's only one hope. Look what he says. Therefore, verse 16, therefore, here's what God's going to do. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am the one who is laid as a foundation in Zion. That speaks of Jerusalem, the people of God there. A stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone. And notice what he says about its foundation. It's what? It's sure. It is a sure foundation. Whoever believes, whoever believes, if you will believe on this precious stone, he says, you will not be in haste. He says, listen, we don't, we don't know exactly what Isaiah is speaking of here in a moment. He's going to begin depicting all these things that are going to start unfolding. 
Right, he's going to say here in a moment, he's going to, this, this action of God, we're not exactly sure what all is going to take place, but when we look to the New Testament, we see clearly what this stone is. Who is it? It's Jesus Christ. He's the hope, he's the sure foundation. Right, I mean, it's the only hope for any of us. Look, listen to what Romans 9 says. Listen to how Paul talks about it. Beginning of verse 30 of Romans 9, what shall we say then that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it? That is a righteousness that is what? It's by faith. But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by what? By faith. But as if it were based on works. They're trying to be good enough on their own. They, look what he says here. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. And the stumbling stone is one that declares that the only way to truly be righteous is by faith. And look what he says. He quotes this very passage as it is written. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. It's the hope of the gospel. That we can never be good enough on our own. That listen, every one of us here today, we're not going to be good enough on our own. It's only the righteousness of Christ, accepting it by faith. His perfect life credited to you. It is the gift of God. It is God's great grace and mercy to us to receive something we've never ever deserved. So look what he says. Hey guys, if you reject this, I want you to know the truth about your covenant your deal with the enemy then your covenant with death will be annulled verse 18 of isaiah 28 and your agreement with sheol will not stand when the overwhelming scourge passes by will pass through you will be beaten down he says guys if you fail to trust in god then you'll find that egypt or whomever you trust in is no help at all they're no help at all the Assyrians report, look what it says from the annals of the Assyrians, their records of history. It records some of these things that testimony, testify to this very words of Isaiah 28 and 19. Listen to this. As often as it passes through, it will take you. For morning by morning, it will pass through. By day and by night. And it will be sheer terror to understand the message. What we have recorded from the Assyrians is, is their tactics in warfare were typically to go back again and again and again and just demolish and pillage and all kinds of ungodliness. They would just continue to return and just destroy and walk over people. And he's using this very imagery to say, listen, it'll keep coming by morning by morning, day and by night. I wonder about this church, who in this community is consistently struggling what about the ex-cons? Do they have a place here? What about homosexuals? Have they been pushed so far that we wouldn't accept or bring them, allow them to even come in to be a part of hearing the Word of God? Or you're not welcome here? Have we come to a place of saying, listen, some of you, you wake up every morning with this epitaph across your face. You are an outsider and the church is just closing you out. We, listen, as gospel people, we as people that have been redeemed, we as people on the right foundation must continue to show the love and grace of God. Yes, we hold fast to God's truth. Absolutely. No compromising. But we, beloved, must not ever stop showing God's love. What if God did that to you or I? 
We. Because listen, they wake up some in this community as a church. We need to think about those who wake up morning by morning and they're wondering, will electric be off today? Those that are waking up morning by morning wondering, will there be food today? Those who wake up morning by morning in this community wondering, will I be able to take a shower today? Can I even flush my commode because will the water still be on? How will we as a church show God's grace and love and mercy to those who seemingly are overwhelmed day after day? I believe the gospel calls us to go to show radical love that God has shown to us. But this will only happen when we have the right redemption, and the right foundation. Sometimes I wonder when I drive on past, do people stumble over me? Do people ever stumble over you? We need not only, beloved, the the right foundation and the right redemption, thirdly and last. From Isaiah 29, we need the right heart. Listen to these words. Ah, oh, Ariel, Ariel, the city where David encamped, add year to year, let the feast run their round. Yet I will distress Ariel, and there shall be moaning and lamentation, and she shall be to me like an Ariel. Right? I keep wondering for Sebastian to show up, right? Under the sea, right? Everything's better when you're under the sea, right? Anyway, so Ariel, right? Let's look what he's doing here. He uses imagery, right? So again, I, I, I don't know this is where the little mermaid blossomed from, but listen, nonetheless, right? The word Ariel, it can mean lion of God. It can mean hope, um, but it can also indicate an altar, a hearth, right? Where judgment was kindled. And so look what he says here. It's interesting. Look what he calls Ariel. He calls Ariel the city where David encamped. So that would be where? Jerusalem, right? So you're using the imagery, right? Look what he says, though. And she shall be, like further, verse 2 here, and she shall be to me like an Ariel. And so it sure appears that God's saying the people of God will be like the judgment of God when it comes on the altar. Right? This judgment of God, the fire of God. He says, listen, I want you to know you think you're safe. You may think you're some big lion. You're tough. It won't happen to you and your family. But I want you to know, he says, listen, you're going to be like an Ariel. It's going to come. Judgment is going to come. What's interesting from the text is, is listen, the Assyrians, Babylonians, none of them are even mentioned. Listen to these words. Verse 3 of Isaiah 29. And I will encamp against you all around. And he's going to besiege you with towers. And I will raise siege works against you. And you will be brought low. And listen, he says, and from the dust your speech shall whisper. Listen, it's God's bringing the judgment. And listen to how this judgment begins to pour out. This is interesting. Further, look at me. Verse 9. Astonish yourselves and be astonished. Blind yourselves and be blind. Be drunk, but not with wine. Stagger, but not with strong drink. For, look what here. Here's what's happening. Here's what God's doing, right? Because, listen, the leadership, the spiritual, the godly people were not looking to God. Here's what happens when God's people close themselves off to God's Word. When we no longer look to Christ and the crucified. We no longer have a heart for the hurting in the community. We no longer have a desire to reach the nations with the Gospel. Listen to what happens. For the Lord has poured out upon you a spirit of deep sleep. And He has done several things here. He has closed your eyes and He has covered your heads. And notice it connects to the prophets and seers. Those who had the very responsibility to hear from God. It's as if now the people of God are in a great fog. 
I was uh, traveling from my brother's home in Knoxville. We were headed toward Chattanooga, and it was early, early morning hours, uh, probably 4 a.m., somewhere in there. We hit the road really early, and uh, we were there on I-75, and there was a spot that we ran through the thickest fog I've ever seen in my life on an interstate. I've been in some thick fog in mountain areas, but never on an interstate. And literally, we're on the interstate, and we have flashers going, and we're doing maybe 10 miles per hour. And you literally, you can't see anybody. The only thing you can occasionally hear is a vehicle next to you. But when they come by, you can't even see their vehicle. It's just the thickest fog. Sometime later that morning, we would hear there'd been a major wreck somewhere there behind us. And that's what's happened to the people of God. They've come to a great fog. They've turned off the things of God. They've, they've refused to honor and follow His ways. And so listen, it says that this great fog has come upon them. The leadership, the spiritual leadership, their eyes have been closed. They've become, listen, that was their responsibility to hear from God. And so look what happens. Verse 13, and the Lord said, because, because this people draw near with their mouth and they honor me. This is, we're called to honor him. But notice it's with their what? Their lips. While their hearts, which what's God's after, are what? They're far from me. And their fear of me, he says, is simply now just become a commandment taught by men. It's like God's become a slot machine, right? Like you, you pull the lever and, and so, oh, I did my Bible reading today. I came to Sunday school. I came to church. I, I helped in that ministry. I gave some money and bam, everything's lined up. God should now bless my family, bless my finances, bless every area of my life. I mean, they just, man, listen, he says, guys, listen, you're honoring me with your lips. Outwardly, it looks right, but I am so after your heart. I am desperately after your heart. Right? I mean, sometimes, I mean, I don't know, but have you ever been like, hey, God, I don't know if you heard that or not, but like Amazing Grace right then, all four stanzas, I sang in a different key and not like, not like accidentally on purpose. Like God's going to somehow be impressed with that. I'll be honest with you, there's times when I'm like, I, I almost listen like God do, I say, how do I sound right now? And God's like, really, Blake? Really? You're listening to how you sound when you sing that song? Bro, I want your heart. These folks, they're honoring with their lips. He says, but your heart is so far from me. I mean, we, we know this, don't we? I mean, you've been to places, you've seen like people performing and man, there's just moments when somebody performs, right? Like, I mean, you can tell that there's been an absolute like that they've worked at their craft. They have labored hard. And man, when they get up there, it's just there's a passion. There's a desire, whatever they're doing, right? And, and the response usually after is, man, I mean, people are just like, you, you can't wait for them to finish because you can't wait to clap. And let's be honest, there's others that take the stage and it's over and you give like a courtesy clap. You're like, woo wee, right? Like that brother doesn't need to sing in church again, right? Come on, if you hear me, you know it, come on. So we know the difference between an internal true, like that was awesome, and an external like, I don't want to make you feel bad, so. How often do you worship that external to God? Like you sing the songs, you show up, you gave the money. I mean, you were here, but it was external. We have to understand who is this God that we are worshiping? Is he actually worthy of my allegiance? Is it an internal move of the heart? God says, listen, I don't want your lip service. I want your heart. I gotta, we gotta, we gotta finish up, man. I know time's ticking, so, um. 
Verse 14, he says, therefore, therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful things. We, we don't know exactly what this wonderful things is that God's going to do, but we do see the result of what happens here. Look what happens here. In that day, verse 18 of Isaiah 29, in that day, the deaf shall hear. Notice what, some things are going to happen. The deaf shall hear the words of a book and out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind shall see. Right now in Matthew um, chapter 11, John, John the Baptist is in prison. And he's concerned, like, well, if Jesus is really the Messiah, then why am I in prison, right? Some of you are wondering that, like, you're you're in prison areas of your life, and you're wondering if this God's so great, then then why did that person have to die, or why why does my finances still look this way, or why is a relationship going that way? And so John the Baptist asked this question: Jesus, are you actually the Messiah, right? He sends them to ask him his disciples. They go and ask Jesus, "Are you the one?" And you know what Jesus responds? Tell John this. The deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk, the dead are raised. He's citing the very words of Isaiah 29 and 18. And Jesus says, these words speak about me. That these words are about a living Savior. Look what he says further. The meek shall obtain fresh joy. Man, some of you, let's be honest, we're we're eating stale bread. We get up each morning, we read our Bibles, we come to church. I mean, we're, we're doing the stuff, but it's stale bread. I want you to hear and experience the love and grace of God that He loves you and I despite when our hearts are far from Him. And He offers to us a fresh joy that you don't have to manufacture on your own. It's a fresh joy. Three quick applications. Man, there's so much I just have to move forward. Three things I want to leave you with, though. A reminder about the right redemption. Now, the people of God um, are, yes, they're getting rid of their false places of worship, right? We kind of read about that. They're removing the stones. But remember, this was only after they've been exiled and experienced God's judgment. And the only reason why they survived that judgment is because God's merciful. Listen, guys. We're not good enough to have earned or deserved it. It's God's grace and mercy to any of us. So our repentance, our response is, in fact, a response to His offer of mercy and grace to us. Alright, as John says there in First John, we love because He first what? He loved us. That should move your heart. He loves you right now. None of you or me, or worthy of the love of God, and yet He loves you totally and completely. I don't care where you've been this week, who you've slept with, what has happened, what you've done, the grace of God is more than enough. God's grace is enough. So it reminds us then that as we talked about in Sunday school, that God has blessed us as he blessed Abraham, that he might be a blessing to the nations. God has blessed and given you and shown you grace and mercy that this redemption would not stop with you, but you would begin to show it to others. Your finances, listen, are not primarily for you. They are for God to use them to bless and to show the love of others, to help take the gospel of the nation, help send others to take the gospel of the nations. God has saved you and placed you on that job site where you are. Why? To use you as a gospel witness, to use you as someone that can show self-control when others don't have self-control, to show that a true man can show mercy and grace and not be weak. Listen, guys, I mean, this is a work of God. 
And then remember, right, God loves one by one. Man, no one is forgotten. Secondly, the right foundation. They had tried to lay the right foundation. They had a deal with Egypt to protect them. And God says, you know what, I'm going to wipe that clean. The truth is the only real peace will ever come from God. I mean, you can be sick today, health-wise today. You can line up the best doctors. You can have the best procedures. You can have the best medication. But the true peace only comes from God. Look what he says. We, we passed over, but verse 16 of Isaiah 28. Whoever believes, look what he says here, will not be in haste. Having the right foundation of trusting in God, right? Again, this, this true stone, this sure foundation allows us now to not have to worry about our family. It allows us to no longer have to worry about where's my next job going to lead or where's this school going to turn out with. Right? We don't have to worry and be consumed about every test that comes our way, every health condition. Right? I mean, thanks. The boys asked me this morning, we were talking about the fact of... Um, about a will in Galatians 3 and, and talking about parents and, and different things. And, and Judah looks over at me and says, well, if you and mommy die, who's going to take care of us? I was like, dude, I don't want really to think about that. But even in that uh, type of unbelievable moment, I pray to God never comes. Listen, we have a God we can trust. I said, bro, who's providing for you now? Who's loving you now? Who's meeting your needs now? Who's providing those clothes now? Who's giving you a house to live in now? Who's putting food in your bed now? Josiah's like, God has, Daddy. It's like, bro, who's going to do it if we're gone? God will. Wow, listen, we don't, listen, if you believe we don't have to live in haste, we don't have to run as fast as we can trying to open up the next door, figure out the next solution, or answer every question. I don't have to know every next step. I can't figure everything out, but I can trust in Him, and I don't have to live this crazy stressed life. I need that. i got to eat that, all right? got to eat that. I'm struggling with that. I'll just be straight. Thirdly, I know time is here. I mean, we've got to go. The right heart, right? I mean, it's just the transformation of the right heart, and I just throw this at you, and again, time has come. So, Psalm 33 and 8. Listen to the right heart. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. This is a transformation. The right redemption, the right foundation, right? This brings this right heart. Look what it says. There's an awe of who this God is you're worshiping. Further, Psalm 38 and 18. I confess my iniquity. I am sorry for my sin. Have you experienced just a sorrow over sin? Of the things that you've done in the presence of God? Psalm 51 and 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. God loves it when we are humbled, right? When we're coming to worship from a right heart, there's a sense of humility that none of us are worthy. Psalm 42, 1, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God. Do you sense that a desire for God? Finally, Psalm 73 and 25, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. There's a desire for God. This is a work of God. This is the right heart in the midst of worship. And there's so much more. Beloved, today I offer to you and to my own soul forgiveness in the name of jesus forgiveness from anything you've ever done ever thought for every person that you've passed by on the side of the road for every person i don't know man i'll just stop you know the stuff in your life we all got junk in our trunk there's a god who came and died and hung on the cross to to cover all of that 
If you've already experienced that grace, then blessed are you. Now go and do likewise. Go show that grace and mercy. If you've not ever received it, come and bow and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Cleanse my heart. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you, God, that you are in complete and total control. Father, help us see today from the many things we've read of the desperate need we have of you. Father, I pray today that I would not offer lip service in this place, but that you would truly change my heart, that you would have mercy on a sinner like me, that you would cleanse me. God, give us as a desire of this church to love people that don't look like us, smell like us, live in the same places. For those that we categorize God as having sins that are too bad, to offer grace and mercy or to give up on them, Lord, I pray now that you would move our hearts to keep showing your grace and mercy. God, do in this hour what I could never do. Transform our hearts. I pray it for the glory of Jesus' name. Amen. Need a heart change? Come on. Let's pray. Maybe you just come and bow. You can stand and sing, but I encourage you. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.